Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. I want to kind of end this year and, and go into the next year with, um, it's, it's, a, it's a message about uh, getting, kind of getting things reset in our lives. And how many of you know you need to, sometimes you just kind of need to get in, you need to hit the reset button on parts of your life, you need to just kind of get, get a fresh start. And New Year's, it's a great time to do that, but uh, more than that, it's a great time to just kind of refresh what's important. It's a good time to refresh those things that you want to see established in your life, and, and sometimes it's a good time to just decide which areas, what areas of my life am I just going to stop feeding this year? What, which areas am I, am I going to put more deliberate effort into? So I want, to, I want to take a story from the Old Testament. Many of you have heard this. If this is one of your first times in church, maybe you haven't heard this. And it's, it's, a, it's a story about the, the children of Israel going into the promised land. And what, what happened is the children of Israel, they were slaves for, for 400 years in Egypt. They were slaves. And they were, they were given this promise that they would be delivered from, they would be delivered from slavery, delivered from bondage, and brought into the promised land. And this, all this series of events, you can read it in, in the, it's just, just about the whole book of Exodus. You can just read what happens. This is where Moses comes into the picture and, and uh, the, um, they, they're led from the promised land. They're led through the Red Sea. All these miracles take place for them to get to the, to get to the border of the promised land. And uh, this is where we're going to pick it up. And it's Numbers chapter 13. It's going to be on the screen. You can follow along. I'm going to kind of skip through it fast, so I'm going to keep media on our toes here. Um, and this is, where, this is where they're getting ready to go into the land. And the Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. And so Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders. And after exploring the land for forty days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. Earlier in the story, it tells them that they, like, it took two men to carry a, a, the grape clusters off the vines. Like two men had to carry the cluster of grapes. That's huge. And uh, pomegranates, somehow the pomegranates were impressive. Never been impressed by a pomegranate, but they were impressive. Pomegranates. <clears throat> and this is their report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and with honey and, and the kind of fruit that produce, and this is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, and the Amalekites lived in the Negev and the hit the blah blah blahs and the <clears throat> just words. Basically, when they got there, it wasn't empty. They got to the promised land, and it was occupied by some fierce-looking people. 
and it, it began to scare it began to scare them. The Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, it's, they're just listing off. These are all our enemies. And the Canaanites live along the coast. There's, we can't even go to the beach without trouble. And Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. He said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men, everybody say the other men, who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And so they sped, spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the defendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. You know, this, 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 it's, it's funny, it's not funny. They had been brought through the Red Sea they had a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm. They had a pillar of cloud by day to keep them sheltered from the sun. As, as God takes them from this, uh, takes them from bondage and brings them there. And now challenge became too much for them. They, their, their faith was undermined and they lost their faith and confidence. And to, to summarize what happened here is basically the anger of God burned against uh, burned against these people to the point where he said, you know what, you're not going to enter the promised land. It's going to be your children that will enter the promised land. And he said, Numbers chapter 14, he said, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They've seen all my glory, they've seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and the wilderness, but again and again they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will, never, they will never even see the land I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. Uh, this is interesting. But my servant, servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. And uh, as the, the, of the 12 spies that were sent in, one, only two of them entered in. One was Joshua, who became the leader of the nation, and one was Caleb. And it, and it says right here, the reason they got to experience is because they had a different attitude. And so fast forward, he said, 40 years they'll wait. For one, it was one for every day that, they, that the spies were in the land of Israel. He said, 40 years from now, I will take their children into the promised land. And so, and, and this is where we're, we're going to pick up today. As the children of Israel are about to enter the promised land, now this is the descendants of the original people who balked at the promise. As they're entering, there's... Moses stands up to address the whole nation, and this is, this, is, this is actually the book of Deuteronomy, if you're familiar with the Old Testament. This is the book of Deuteronomy, and he's basically standing up and giving instructions to the nation that is about to receive the promise that they've waited a very, very long time to walk into. And there's, it, the book of Deuteronomy is an interesting book. There's 16 times in this book that Moses says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. I call to your remembrance. In other words, he's spending this time, he's, he's, spending, he's spending time pulling, pulling out some truths that, that uh, the nation had forgotten. 
And, you know, I find that often, oftentimes in life, much of our life, is, it's not really so much about just getting new information or new truths or new revelations or new this. A lot of times life is just being reminded of what we already learned at one point and, and it's bringing it back to a place of reality in our own lives. And so today, I want to talk about lessons that Pastor Mike needs to remember. And uh, it's, we all need to, I'm just being, you know, smart. Smart's the word I would use there. Lessons that uh, we need to remember. And, uh, you know, the first lesson, I think that the, that the children of Israel, that they forgot as they're going into the promised land, is that God's best will require faith. And if it doesn't require faith, it's probably not God's best. God's best will require faith. What God has for you, if you can understand it and you can figure out how everything's going to take place and happen to make it happen, then I'm just going to tell you, you, you're probably not getting the full package. There's probably something missing because it, God, God, that's what he does. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, without faith, that, that why, why would we need him if we can figure out how to do everything on our own? It, that, that, and this is just the result. A, a life that's lived in pursuit of God will have moments where you don't know how it's going to take place. It will have moments where you, you don't understand, how is this going to happen? You won't know because... Because we have the God ingredient in our lives that only God can be God. Only God can do what God can do. And, you know, the, the self-discipline, planning, strategizing, those are all very important things in your life. But when you follow God, there's an element that goes beyond all of that. that it, it's the element of the supernatural that God wants to work things into your life that only he can do. In the land, in your land of promise, in your land where, where God wants to take you and your family and, and take us as a church or, you know, whatever group you happen to be a part of, there's giants, there's enemies, there's big pomegranates, there's, there's challenges that have to be overcome. And God wants to be a part of overcoming. New territory means new problems. And when the children of Israel saw the size of the problems, they chose to focus on the size of the problems rather than the size of the promise. And then what happened is because they're focus, focusing on the problem, and, you know, even in our own lives, oftentimes you can get so focused on the problem, it can undermine your faith. It can undermine your confidence. You know, you look at these guys, they, just, they had just crossed the Red Sea. A sea just opened up for them. I would think that after you'd seen that, you're, you'd be pretty confident in your ability to go forward at that point. You know, a pillar of fire that keeps everybody warm at night. Like fresh bread every morning provided for their sustenance. Manna. That was, you, all you, had to, you don't even have to go to 7-Eleven for your bread. You just have to get up and walk, like go outside and you, like your bread is on the ground. How, how much easier does this get? 
But rather than choosing to remember the provisions, they chose to fixate on the problems. And so I want to talk here. There's three things that we need to do to renew our to renew and strengthen our faith. And uh, it's, it's three things that, that uh, well, we're just going to jump in and go through them, and then you'll know the three things, won't you? Number one is I need to renew my mind. These are things I need to remember to do. These are things that wherever we're at in the journey, we need to remember to renew our minds. And uh, you know who, who can renew your mind? You. Do you know who can't renew your mind? person beside you. There's times that that person beside you really wishes they could do it for you. <laughs> I guarantee it. And don't, don't nudge your spouse right now if you're... You know, only I can renew my mind. Only I can do... I have to take responsibility for renewing my mind. And, you know, control of our life is, is tied to the way that we think. And uh, a lot of times there's, there's this kind of this misconception that if God wants it done, he'll just do it. But the thing is, God always does things through people. And what God wants to do in your life, he's going to do through you. And so there's how, how he does that is part, part of it, he, he can only use what you give him to work with. So what's in our minds, the way we think, the way we process, the way that we, we view life, that, that affects the way we make decisions. I have to take responsibility to take God's word and plant it into my own life to allow it to shape my thoughts and shape my actions. And I have to be careful about how much, it's kind of like, like eating. You have to be careful about what you eat, don't you? Most of you are in a world of regret right now. <laughs> After the Christmas season, I saw there was there was one meme posted on our on our CrossFit page that uh, said it says I don't know what day it is. I'm full of cheese. <laughs> it's late, you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's. It's like I don't know what day it is, and I'm full of cheese. <clears throat> and sometimes in our own spirits we get like that, don't we? We just you know the that that we've been maybe feeding on some sources that aren't so healthy. And, and then we start to lose our bearings. We start to lose, we start to lose our, our grounding. We start to lose our anchors. And it's, it's important that the quality of our faith diet, is, it's as important as the quality of our natural diet. That we, we expose our, intentionally expose ourselves to, to people that, um, that, that are filled with faith. The, that people that will encourage faith in us, people that will speak faith. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 4.20, it says, My son, give attention to my words and incline your ear sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. You know, the, when it comes to the, to the word of God in our heart, it's life to those who find it. It's, it's, it's life to those who get it planted in them. And it renews our hearts. It renews our, our minds. The second thing about renewing our, uh, renewing our minds is I must address my own attitudes. If you don't address it, somebody else will. But, you know, we have to address our own attitudes because our attitudes influence our direction more than any other thing. 
And this, even in Numbers 14 here, it's, this is where he said, my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal. How? Through his attitude. So I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. So attitude will boost you ahead in every area of your life, but it'll also claw you back from where you should be if you don't deal with it. This, there was, you know, that your promised land has great opportunities, but it also has great problems in it. And what happened is the attitude of the Israelites in the situation, that it was their attitude that caused them to focus on the problems, but not on the size of the promise. And that a poor attitude undermines our faith. And it's, it's funny if you, you read some of the accounts of what the Israelites were complaining about in the desert. They, they complained that they didn't have enough leeks. Like, you know, the vegetable leeks? You say, at least in, at least in Egypt, we had leeks. And you think, you've just been brought out of 400 years of slavery? And now you encounter a problem and all you can think about is leeks? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You know, as Proverbs 23, it says that as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And that, the attitude is, that's what's, what we're thinking in our heart. We have to address it. God was able to get the Israelites out of Egypt, but he was never able to get Egypt out of the Israelites. He was never able to get the mindset that they, that, that they had gotten stuck in. Their attitude actually limited God's ability to bring them into the place of promise that he had for them. And uh, the third thing about, about renewing our minds is this is, and this is, this is a good one for all of us, and you, you, you may nudge the person beside you, is choose wisely that which you give voice. Choose wisely that which you give voice. In other words, think before you talk. Think before you speak. And, you know, the, Caleb, it says that Caleb tried to quiet the people. He's, in other words, he was trying to shut them up. And he was trying to speak faith. But the others... It says they spread this bad report. They began to just speak the negative. They began to just speak the problems. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes we want to talk about the problems, but what we should actually be talking about is the solutions. We should be talking about, we should be talking about what we'll build. And the temptation is as soon as we see a problem is to say, hey, I see a problem and this is the problem. But wisdom stops and says, okay, how do, I, how do I speak the solution to this problem at this point rather than just speaking the problem? We have news articles that are filled with the problems, but we don't have news articles filled with the solutions. And it's why the news is so depressing when you read it is because, is, is, is because it's not, it's not, there's nothing in there that would lead us to a better place. And so everybody has doubts, everybody has thoughts of defeat, discouragement enters everyone's mind, but hope and encouragement can also enter the same mind. And it's the, the challenge is which one do we give voice to? Which one do we strengthen? Which one do we reinforce? 
And that no matter how dark your situation, there is always hope and light that can be spoken over that situation. And uh, what's funny is the children of Israel, the second time they're going to go into the land of Israel, Joshua commanded all of them to just be silent as they went in. Because the first time they were all negative and they, they kind of wrecked it for everybody. So the second time around, it's just, y'all just shut up. <clears throat> we're going in and you're not allowed to talk. Some of you should have that rule in your home. All right, the second thing that I need to be reminded to do uh, to, to uh, enter into the promised land is number two is renew my spirit. Renew your spirit. Make sure, make sure you're putting yourself in a place that allows your spirit to get renewed. Now, with renewing our minds, that's, that's something only we can do. Nobody, nobody else can do that for us, but renewing our spirit, that's only something God can do. That's only something God can do. God, God's the only one that can change what's inside us. Only God can do this, and it's this, we, we have to intentionally put ourselves in a place where we allow God to renew our lives, where we allow God to renew our hearts. So, you know, the, the Thursday night where we have Encounter Night, that's what Encounter Night is about. It's not just about, hey, you don't have to listen to anybody talk on Encounter Night, we just, we just sing. <clears throat> it's, that's actually not the point. The point is that we're having an encounter with God's presence where we're opening our lives to him and saying, God, do what you want to do in our lives. Do what you want to do in our hearts because only God can do that. And no amount of self-help, attitude will get you to a certain point, but it won't get you everywhere you need to go. And part of it is, is that we just need, we need our hearts renewed. You know, David, David prayed, create in me a clean heart and put a new and a right spirit within me. And, the, you know, that's, that's why he recognized that there was something in his heart that wasn't good. He recognized that there was a, that there, there was a, a not right spirit in him and he needed something fresh and new in his life. And, and uh, you know, it's, let me ask you the question, what are you exposing your heart to? What around you is affecting your spirit? What around you is affecting your heart? And take, run from that and run into a place where, where you, you allow God to, to reshape and to reform and to renew your heart. Because if what's in our heart is not good, it'll pull us away from things that are good. Yeah, I've said this before, but you know, most of us ended up in church at some point in our journey because we realized what the world had to offer was lacking. We realize that what was around us, like the world, even in its fullness, is empty. It's, it's, I'm just going to move right along. It's the, that the, that there's a, there's a bright and shiny aspect of the world that promises to make us happy. Just get that new car, you'll be happy. Get that new outfit, you'll be happy. Get that new fill-in-the-blank, and you'll be happy. And then we get the new thing, and we realize we're just as miserable. It, didn't change, it doesn't change anything. But the presence of God changes us on the inside. It transforms us. And then the third thing is to renew our vision. Renew our vision. And this is what, you know, this is really what happens when we're together. Is it, it's really funny how much motivation you find in life in groups. 
that you know we 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 did we have the the connect groups in church or the 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 different gatherings and the different pockets of people that get together. But, it, it, you know, there, there's the reason we do that and we don't just all study by ourselves alone is because there's something that happens when we come together that we encourage one another, we strengthen one another. Whether, it's, whether you're wanting to just change the way you eat, it's, it, it worked, it's easier to change when you're doing it with others. You want to get in shape. It's, mu- it's easier when you do it with others. You want to study your Bible. It's easier when you do it with others. When we get together, something that happens. We begin to get a vision of what could, what could be, of what could happen, and it becomes contagious. If you ever get around somebody who's, who's passionate about something, pretty soon you find yourself passionate about those things. Or you find yourself more passionate than you were. Our vision is what we see right now. How do you see what's around you right now? How do you see the challenges in front of you? Do you see them as, as insurmountable or do you see them Hey, here's a, here's a chance for God to do something in my life or in my family or in my world. And vision is what you see ahead. And, you know, one of the things that in, you've probably heard this before, but, in, you know, in defensive driving classes, they teach you when you're losing control of your vehicle, don't focus on the ditch, don't focus on the tree or the post, but focus on where you want to go because that's where you'll steer your vehicle. So where you focus is right down the the lane of the road where you want your vehicle to be. And you know it works. When 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 you're driving and you're skidding, it works to focus. And in life, if you're, if you're maybe going off into the ditch a little bit, or you feel like you're in a bit of a tailspin, don't start looking at everything that can go wrong. Start, get your vision focused on where you want to be, and your life will correct down that path. Let's stand up. You know, I just want to, I want to finish with just a little encouragement here. You know, a big popular word in today's world is self-care. You, you hear it a lot, and that'll elicit all sorts of different responses from some people. Some people, oh, selfish, you know, and other people be, you got to take care of yourself. And, you know, both are right and both are wrong. But Jesus actually did talk about self-care in the Bible. And I think it's important that we understand, because there, there's a stream of self-care. It's like, it's just selfish care. And it's like, this isn't going to turn out good. I don't need to be a rocket scientist to know that you thinking only about yourself and nobody else is going to become a problem at some point in your relationships. But it'll also be a problem if you don't think about yourself at all and you only think about others and then you, you know, you can figure out how that's going to end too. But Jesus talked about this in in Matthew chapter 6. He talked about about, you know, there's all these things that concern you. There's the food you're going to eat, the clothes you're going to wear, the shelter, where you're going to sleep, how, how you're, you know, all of these cares. And then he made this statement. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, 
And all these other things will take care of themselves. All these other things. You're, gonna, you're going to find that all of these other things end up in your life. And see, these are two words we don't use in our culture, so we don't really know what they mean. And the first one is the word kingdom. We don't talk like this anymore. So, we, you know, what does it mean to seek first God's kingdom? Well, a kingdom was very simple. A kingdom was a system of order under a ruler. A kingdom was a system of order that under, under a leader. And what Jesus was saying is, seek to have your life under my system of order. Seek to have your life aligning with what I've taught you and with what, what you've seen in me. And then righteousness, simply, the simplest way to describe righteousness is righteousness is just rightness. Seek rightness in your life. Seek to set things right in your life. Seek to set things right in the world around you. And if you, if you do those two things, you're going to find that all the other concerns that you have about life and, and, and personal concerns and provision, you're going to find that all of these things begin to just happen in your life. They're going to... He said it, he said it very well. He said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll actually end up finding it. You'll actually, that's his definition of self-care, is if you lose your life to the right thing, you'll actually find life in the process of losing it. Father, I thank you that you want to renew our spirits. You want to renew hope today. You want to renew vision today. You want to renew faith today. And Father, I pray that as this year comes to a close, that we would just, we would seek your best in the year ahead. As, as we make decisions over these next few days, many of us aren't, aren't as busy. We're not at work or we're, 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 we have time to reflect. I pray that we would take the time to, to embrace your best for the year ahead, your best for the decade ahead. And, and Father, that we would not just listen to the voices the, of the, maybe the bad reports of the past or the, or the negative things or the problems or the challenges that are in front of us right now, but we would listen to you. We would listen to your voice. We would focus on the size of your promise and not the size of our problems. And that we, we would embrace your best for our lives. Thank you, Father. And I just want to pray one more prayer here, and it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. It's a prayer. Maybe you're here today, and you've, you've never actually said yes to him or yes to following him or his ways. And uh, we do this every Sunday where we say yes to Jesus. And if you want to be included in that prayer, you can just join us as we pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, I say yes to you. I want your best for my life. I want to trust you with my life. I want to follow you. Would you come into my life? Give me a brand new start. Give me a brand new heart. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the Next Step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.